God cares. God genuinely cares about you. God genuinely loves you. And so what I want you to know is that uh, sometimes we make a mess of our lives or sometimes life becomes a mess and messy. And you know what? Jesus is there and Jesus cares. Uh, A lot of people wonder, God, where are you in that moment? Some people say this, God, why are you doing this to me? Uh, Why me? Why are you letting this happen? Or God, why are you doing this to me? Uh, And you know what? Uh, We're going to see a section of Isaiah where the Israelites were going through a time where they were saying, where are you? God, why are you doing this to us? And and they had been in a repeated cycle, which by the way, stop here. Just listen real quick. A lot of people get into what I call an unhealthy pattern where they repeat the same cycle of unhealth and dysfunction over and over again. Uh, And so the, the Israelites did that. They were right with God, getting blessed, and they became disobedient. Life got hard, and then they would get their act together and come back to God, and things would turn good. I mean, they would see it, things were turning good. And then they go back into the pattern again. And the, the Lord's like, why are you doing this? Why do you keep riding this roller coaster of, of being on a spiritual high and then a low and a high and a low? And, and, and so the question might be, is that you? Because this will apply to you in a good way. Uh, it might be your marriage. It might be your friendships. It might be your, your work environment. Uh, Some of you at school, but you find yourself on a high and then a low coming, on a high and then a low coming. And by the way, I I talk to a lot of people who say, I can't even enjoy the high anymore because guess what? I know the low is coming. And so they're in the midst of this cycle of dysfunction of going up and down and up and down. And I'm going to give you a sneak peek, a sneak peek in a minute of why, how Jesus can really come and break the cycle. How Jesus really will be able to break the cycle. So you don't have to live that way. So you don't have to, to be a victim of the roller coaster or the repetitious cycle that's not good. So we're going to see that. And, and so Isaiah told Israel, you don't have to live that way anymore. And, and the answer, by the way, Isaiah was going to say is Jesus. So I want you to know this. Here's where we're going to start. God is not the reason your life isn't what you want it to be. So right now, right now, if life's not what you want it to be, get ready. God is not the reason your life is not what you want it to be. And so God wants you to know that. Uh, And so here's what we need to understand. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse one, it says, this is what the Lord says. Was your mother sent away because I divorced her? Did I sell her you as slaves to my creditors? No. See, he said, is your life a mess? Did I abandon you? Did I send you away? Did I cast you off? Did I put you in bondage? He goes, no, no. You were sold because of your sins. And your mother too was taken because of your sins. Now, now this is really important again to stop. I've been going to probably say that a lot. Super important. He said, do you know why your life's a mess? It's you. And guess what? What you're doing is affecting other people. By the way, some of you can actually say, you know what? The reason my life is hard and a mess because of another person choosing to sin. When we sin, it not only affects us, it most often, most often will affect other people. 
So that's what I want you to know. So when we sin, it not only affects us, it very, very often will affect other people. And so what happens is God goes, but it's not me. The reason your life is hard, the reason it's a mess, the reason things aren't good, uh, the reason uh, you can't seem to get ahead, God goes, it's not me. It's not me, it's you. Or it's somebody in your life who's been doing that to you. So here's the thing, is God wants you to know that. And, and here what he wants to say is get out of the dysfunction, get out of the mess, and, and, and don't let that happen. Um, for a lot of people, not everybody, for a lot of people, uh, the pandemic that we're in right now has, has revealed dysfunction that was already there. Um, there are people who are uh, struggling uh, with things today, but they were, most of them, struggling before this. It just got worse. Uh, their marriage got worse. Uh, the loneliness they had because they, they didn't have anybody significant in their life got worse. Um, the addiction got worse. The, the, the porn problem got worse. The, all that got worse. And God is saying, he goes, you know what? I, I just don't want it to be that way for you. And, and so the Lord, the Lord says, those bad habits and all that you're caught in, you know, maybe it's getting worse and worse. Well, here's the good news. Maybe it's an eye-opening moment to say, you know what? I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to choose to get away from that. Now, what I want you to know is God says, what's causing the problem is your sins. And uh, I want you to understand the exact meaning of sin. Sin literally means to miss the mark. If I'm aiming an arrow at a bullseye, if I don't hit dead center in the bullseye, I have sinned because I missed the mark. Uh, If I'm a surgeon and I'm getting ready to cut you in surgery and I don't cut the right spot, maybe I'm at one inch off. By the way, do you want your surgeon... (laughs) <laughs> to be one inch off. No. And, and, and that would be sin. So a little sin or a bigger sin is just further and further away from the bullseye God wants you to hit, the target he wants you to go for, and the life he wants you to live. And Isaiah said, guess what? Right now, right now, you're missing the mark. And the reason life is not good is because you, you, you missed what I wanted you to do or you missed out on stopping what I wanted you to stop. Um, I know a particular person, and this was years ago, and what happened is things weren't going good and things uh, 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 were not going the direction they wanted. He seemed like he was getting further and further behind, more and more in debt. Uh, And so what happened is he started to get his act together. And a friend of mine decided, I'm going to jump in and help him. And so he arranged for him to get a job interview for, by the way, a really good job because my friend was going to recommend it. My friend was going to tell him, hey, you know what? This would just be really, really good for you. And, and, and so he was telling the people, uh, he got honest with them. He said, here's some issues he's had, but if we work together, I think we can get him somewhere. And so all he had to do was show up at this job interview and he was going to immediately see a, an increase in his income an opportunity for advancement, a job with a real future. He didn't go. Some of you aren't going, wait, what? He didn't make the interview. Didn't show up. Uh, No excuse, by the way. No car trouble, no sickness, no accident. He just didn't bother to go. And guess what happened? He missed the mark. He didn't get the job. And you know what? 
Uh, about a, a year later, I remember I'm talking to this guy, and now things are, are worse. They're actually extremely worse. And he's like, I just don't know why things are so hard for me. I'm like, dude, you didn't go to the interview. <laughs> you, didn't go, you didn't let somebody help you. You, di- you didn't put out that, that effort to make the change. Come on, right now, some of you guys, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this time. Don't miss what God has for you. Some of you right now, man, you're where you should be, but there's people you ought to pray. Pray they don't miss their moment. Pray they don't miss their time. Pray they don't say no to what God has for them. Because God said, you know what? The reason you're in this mess is it's, it's not me. See, I, I would tell that guy straight out. Matter of fact, I did tell him straight out. Do you know why your life's the way it is? It's you. It's not God. It's not anybody else. It's not your mom and dad. It's not, you know, uh, your friend's not being there for you. It's you. It's you. So God starts out by saying, hey, I want you to know something. As we deal with why are you in this cycle that, that is dysfunctional, it's not me. God said, it's you. And it may be other people making it worse. The second thing we see is this. It, it is not... It is not that God doesn't have the power to help you find real change. So the first thing we see is it's not God's fault. The second is it's not that God doesn't have the power to bring real change. Now, if you're brand new, I'm so glad you're with us. But let me tell you, God will help you. And God has the power to help you. And he will use that power to help you. So if there's a problem in your life, it's not that God doesn't have the power to bring real change. In Isaiah 50 verse 2, it says, Why was no one there when I came? Why didn't anyone answer when I called? Is it because I have no power to rescue? No, that's not the reason. Look at that again. No, that is not the reason. God said, is that because I don't have the power? Look what the answer is. God goes, no, no. That's not the reason. Why? For I can speak to the sea and make it dry up. I can turn rivers into deserts and covered with dying, dying fish. I dress the skies in darkness, covering them uh, with the clothes of mourning. God said, you know, I, I can do whatever I want to do is what he's saying. In a moment, I, I can make anything happen I want to make happen. God said, it's not that I couldn't help you. It's not that I don't, by the way, don't want to help you or wouldn't help you. He said, so what's going on here? Because I have the power to change. God has the power to get your life where it should be. God has the power and the resources to make it happen. So God is saying, why is it real change coming? Number one, it's not me. Number two, it's not that I couldn't do it. People for thousands of years, listen to this, is a tried and true People for thousands of years have found Jesus bringing real change. Alcoholics are no longer alcoholics. People in bondage to addiction no longer are. They're set free. People who had anger problems are loving. Marriages that were hell on earth are now heaven on earth. Uh, People who felt empty and, and, and felt like they had no purpose, no value, found purpose and value and love and joy. See, for thousands of years, we've seen that happen over and over and over again, that Jesus did bring real change. Jesus came and helped. Uh, Jesus made things better. And Isaiah saw that Jesus, Jesus would do something to make all this possible in a way that was amazing. And so what happened in Isaiah, God is saying in chapter 50, he said, you know what? He said, it's not my fault you're in this problem. Number two, it's not that I couldn't help you. But number three, 
I'm going to come, take on flesh, and live the most amazing life ever so that I would suffer and I would die on the cross as Jesus to break the power of sin, to take away that which holds you down, to remove all guilt and all shame. And so God said, that's what I'm coming to do. That's what's going to happen. And so Isaiah, and don't forget this. See, Isaiah saw Jesus. Uh, If you haven't been with us, that's what gets me so much about Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, he saw Jesus. He heard Jesus. He actually saw him go through this. And so in this moment, he's saying, but God can help. God can, and all of a sudden he sees him. And where does he see Jesus? He sees him after the Roman soldiers have arrested him and they're torturing him. And uh, I want you to look what it says in verse six, because it's here, Jesus is saying, I came to help. And it says, I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheek to those who pluck out my beard, who rip the beard from my face. I did not cover my face in humiliation, uh, from humiliation and spitting. Isaiah saw the Roman soldiers grab and rip his beard out and mock him and spit in him. He saw all that. And then why did Jesus hang in there? It says, for the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore, look at this part. Don't miss this. I have set my face like flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. Isaiah is the only one who told us about this. Why Matthew wasn't there, Mark wasn't there, Luke wasn't there, John wasn't there. Isaiah actually was there and he saw Jesus in in, in the hands of the Roman soldiers and Jesus was not gonna walk away. He wasn't gonna give in or give up. Why? Because he loved you and he loves me so much he would not turn away from this, but he stood in there and took it. And and I don't want you to miss it. It said they ripped out his beard. I, I have a beard, I think you know that. And, and when my boys were little, when they were babies, they learned something. If they grabbed me by the beard, they had total control over what I did in that moment. They'd grab me by the beard and they could turn my head and they would laugh and they would just think that was so funny. They would take me up and down. Both of them did that when they were babies. And you know what I never did? When they grabbed my beard, I never took them and threw them and said, forget you, kid. <laughs> Why? Because I just loved them too much. And I could see it coming sometimes. I was like, oh, and I just loved them too much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop them. I wouldn't get mad. I knew they weren't really, you know, they didn't really mean it. They thought it was funny. Jesus, well, when they're, they didn't just pull, they ripped it out. They ripped it out. And it says he set his face like flint. You know what that means? Don't miss what that means. It means he looked at them and they spit and he kept looking at them. They grabbed him by the beard and ripped and his face didn't turn. He set himself like Flint. Now I've got some Flint here and I want you to think about this with me. See, what happened is they would strike Jesus and strike Jesus and strike Jesus. And he said it was like Flint. And so he he would do, he would just hang in. And every time they struck, it was like sparks went flying, but he wouldn't move. He wouldn't turn. He wouldn't give in. I don't know if you're thinking about how strong Jesus had to be. We know he was strong physically. We know he was strong mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And in that moment, the greatest time of testing anybody would undergo, which we call the passion, 
Because his passion for you and me caused him to stand in there. He did not turn. He did not give in. He set his face like flint. And then it goes on to say this about that moment. It says, he who gives me justice is near. God, he's, Jesus said this. Jesus said, you know what? Here, God's with me. God's with me. He's not forsaking me. And it says, who will uh, dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. Do you remember what happened? Isaiah sees this 750 years before it occurs, but he, he saw what happened is that there was no one who could bring a charge against him that had any merit or would stick why he did nothing wrong. So no one could accuse him of wrongdoing. And, and, and Pontius Pilate said, I don't see anything wrong with him. Even the, the, the Sanhedrin, which was a, a court, a Jewish court, they couldn't find anybody who could agree on anything he did wrong, why he didn't do anything wrong. What he did do is suffer and die for my sins and your sins. So we could be free. So we could be better. Verse 9 says this, See, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? Listen to this part. All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moss. What is this doing? Here's the picture Isaiah is seeing. He's saying Jesus set his face like flint and all of his enemies were like old moth-ridden clothes. I want you to think about that because what would happen if I had dry old clothes on the stage and all of a sudden I started doing this and started shooting at it, shooting at it, shooting at it, shooting at it. And every time I hit this, there is potential for a really bad fire. And now you know what Jesus is saying, or Isaiah is saying about Jesus? They were hitting him and it was setting off sparks and they were like fuel for the fire and the fire was going to be eternal. Not physical. Every time they struck him, they were in danger of creating for themselves an eternity where they would burn forever. And you know what? Some people are dry. Some people feel like there's just nothing left. Some people are so filled like these people were with just anger inside. There's no more love. It's rotted. And, and Jesus said, then don't strike me. Because you know what? You're in the end going to set off a fire you don't want to have to deal with. You're going to make life worse. You're going to make eternity worse. And so he warns about that. So in Isaiah 50 verse 10, it says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant who is Jesus? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on God. But watch out. Watch out. You who live in your own light, in other words, if you think you're enough for yourself, he said, watch out. And you who warm yourselves by your own fire, you think you can make it on your own. And he, remember the whole idea here, he goes, why are things not good? Why isn't life better? He goes, it's not me, it's not, I can't help you. So watch out, watch out. Because if you don't turn to me, you're gonna be left with definitely less than and worse he goes, there is a reward for you you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. Jesus is saying, don't keep striking me or don't turn away from me. Why? Because what's coming your way uh, could lead to great, great, great torment. He said, so you know what? I, I'm telling you, watch out, watch out. Some of you today, again, you're right with God, but you know, hopefully you know some people because you care about them that you need to write down their name somewhere and pray. 
God, I pray for a breaking of the cycle. I pray for somebody and maybe me to intercede, to have an intervention. You know, we call that an intervention when we try to help somebody. And the greatest intervention that ever occurs when Jesus came and he, he lived that incredible life and then he went through all that suffering, being hit and ripped and torn and, and spit on and mocked and he just stood in there and took it. And he said, but you know what? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't live that way. Uh, in Isaiah 50, it ends. And then I'm going to take you over to Isaiah 52 and 53, where there should not be a chapter division, by the way. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the, the original Bible had no chapters or verses. And so we have some places where the chapter divisions aren't good. But Isaiah, Isaiah saw Jesus being hit, but his face was like flint. He saw Jesus being spit on and mocked, but he didn't move. He saw that if those people didn't open their eyes to what was going on, that they would be in danger of eternal fire and a horrible life on this earth. So now he goes to see Jesus, and I'm not going to say all his glory because it wasn't. He sees what Jesus would do and go through for you and me. I want to have you really listen. Please don't. Turn away from this. If you've been distracted right now, look, look at this and listen. Read along with me. These words were written 750 years before Jesus lived. He's going to fulfill every minor detail that's in it. Everything that's about to be said, he'll fulfill. In Isaiah 52, verse 13, it says, See, and Isaiah saw Jesus, my servant, will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human from his appearance, and one would scarcely know he was a man. He said, I saw him. The beating, the spitting, the ripping. He said, they beat him so badly you could hardly tell there was a face left there. He said, I watched it happen. In verse 15, he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence for they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. And of course, you already know this. The word about Jesus would spread so quickly that all around the world, the greatest leaders would eventually hear of Jesus, even to this day. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He could have had any body he wanted to have. He could have any face he wanted to have. And he said, you know what? It was, he was ordinary, but there was something extraordinary there. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But they weren't. But he was, don't miss this, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten 
so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now, here's the thing you need to know. The cross, when Isaiah was alive, there was no cross. There was no crucifixion. The Romans would invent that hundreds of years later. Use it to create one of the worst possible ways to die. As you were pierced in your hands and your feet and hang there to suffocate. And you know what? Isaiah said, I see him. He was beaten so badly you couldn't recognize him. He was pierced. They pierced his arms and his legs. Notice Isaiah points that out. By the way, Zechariah would point that out. Psalm 22 would point that out. All before it was ever invented, they would look and see the cross. And Isaiah saw it. And it says in verse 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet God laid on him, on Jesus, the sins of us all, so that that power to break the cycle could come. Listen, the sins you and I have, he wants to have those taken off of you, taken off of me, so you could be new, you could be alive, you could be loved, you could live, live. And then it says in verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word, which by the way, if you read the Gospels, he didn't. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep silent before its shears, he did not open his mouth. Pontius Pilate kept trying to get him to talk and trying to get him to talk. Do you know why he didn't? By the way, do you know why he didn't? I'll tell you, because I know. When Pontius Pilate's like, answer, they're accusing you. Tell me, Jesus, if he had talked, he would have got out of it. He would have, number one, because he didn't deserve it. Number two, because he was that smart and that wise. No one could ever catch him in his words. He always, always, he was the most brilliant man who ever lived. Had he opened his mouth, he would not have gone to the cross for you and for me. He would have not gone through that suffering for you and for me. Why did he stay silent? Because of love. Why, when they ripped out his beard, did he not hit back? Because he could have. By the way, he could have at any moment. Because of love. Because he loves you so much and he wants to bring freedom to you. He wants to bring life change to you. Because he will help you. The Lord said, it's not that I can't help you, I will. I will. And he could bring all that to you. He could do it. Uh, verse 8 says, unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short midstream. He was in his 30s. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. He was buried like a criminal. But look at this, but he was put in a rich man's grave. That's one of those things when this was read for 700 years before Jesus came and died. Everyone's like, how could that be that he would be he would be condemned as a criminal and yet be put in a rich man's grave. And guess what happened? He was condemned and died between two criminals as a criminal. And when his body was taken off the cross, he was put in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy, wealthy man. Every detail fulfilled. 750 years before it happened. And he, he does, and by the way, you couldn't plan that. It just, it was God. God's, God said, that's what is going to occur. Isaiah said, that's what I saw. Isaiah, it's like, I saw them take the body down off the cross and I saw Joseph of Arimathea there and I, I saw Nicodemus help him and I saw him put him in, in the grave of a wealthy man after he had died as a criminal. 
And it goes on to say, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Uh, Interestingly, again, it's this paradox. He's going to die without descendants, yet he's going to have many descendants. He's going to die as a criminal and a rich man and put in a rich man's grave. He's going to die with no descendants, yet I'll have many. And guess what? All of us who are, who are believers, who are Christ followers, who are Christians, want another term that describes us very accurately is you and I are children of God. I'm God's son. All you other men and guys out there, if you love Jesus, you're God's child. You're adopted by God. You're his son. All the women out there, all the girls, you know what? You're God's daughter. And he has many descendants now who are born again. By the way, we're not just born. We're born again through the power of the Holy Spirit and our our faith in him and his grace upon us. When he sees all that he accomplished by his anguish, this is talking about Jesus, he will be satisfied. Wow, I'm going to stop there. When he sees you who believe in him, he's satisfied. It was worth it to let them rip the beard beat me, spit on me, hang me on a cross by piercing me through. That all your sins are forgiven, that love has come, that light has dawned, that freedom is real, that transformation and change has occurred, that you're born again. Jesus said it's worth everything for you. You matter that much to Jesus. So it's not that he can't help you, not that he won't help you, not that he didn't do what was most important to help you, You just have to open up. I have to open up. Many of us have. It says, when he sees all that he has accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he bears all their sins. Verse 12, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. Rebels, he bore the sins of many and he interceded for rebels. 750 years before Jesus would do all that's here, Isaiah saw it and wrote about it. I don't know if you want to do it. I actually would love for you to do it. Go back and read Isaiah 52 and 53, the end of 52 and 53. Write down every detail that you see and note that Jesus fulfilled even the most minute detail. Why? What's the message? Don't miss it. The message is, it is my sins and your sins he died for. Uh, All the times we missed the mark, all the times we did what we shouldn't do, How many things have you done that you know you shouldn't have done? How many? Come on. Like you can't count them all. And yet he he wanted you forgiven for all of them. And then all the things you should have done you didn't do is also sin. And the Lord says, I don't want you buried under that. And I don't want you in a repetitious cycle of dysfunction, riding the high and the low. I want you up here. The Bible calls it, by the way, the high hills. Whenever you read that in scripture in the Bible, it says, I will make you walk on the high hills. That's where you're above it all. And, and you can look out over it all. And, and, and the view is breathtaking and life is good and you're free. And he said, I want that for you. And I can give that to you. 
And it all comes through the power of what Jesus did in suffering for our sins and dying on the cross and then rising again from the dead because he rose. And Isaiah is going to talk about that later too. And he's going to talk about the fact he'll come back again. There's a first advent or a first coming of Christ. There's a second advent, the second coming of Christ. And so he's coming back. But here's what's really cool. He's with us now. So right now, I want you to know that it's not that the Lord doesn't care. He cares. It's not his fault. Your life's not what you deep down want it to be. But he can change you. He can change your life. He can bring transformation. He can make a difference. And what he says is, you've just got to open up to me. You've just got to commit your life to me. You just got to come to me. Don't, and he's warning, don't stay away. Don't dry out more. Don't, don't let yourself be in a place where, you know, the fire's about to come. He said, you know what? I did too much. I gave too much. All because of love, because you're worth it. So right now, there are some of you that you, for the very first time, need to make a commitment to Christ. Uh, you need to do that. Some of you, you need to recommit. Now, by the way, I'm going to say this. If you're right with God, don't click, click out. Instead, start praying. Instead, start praying. Pray for people. Pray for them to open up to God for the first time or to recommit. And that's some of you right now. I'm going to ask you to think about this. I want you to come to know his love. I want the change to be real. And how does it happen? How does it occur? Get ready. Here's how it happens. Here's how it occurs. Is number one, the first two steps are, number one, you pray. You pray and say yes to him. You pray and open your heart to him. And I'm going to lead a prayer in a moment, and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. And again, all you who love God, start praying for people to pray this prayer, to say yes to him. It may be the very first time you ever pray it. Uh, but you know what? When you do, the Lord's coming and you're, you're going to sense his love. Uh, you're going to have him come and fill you with his spirit. He's going to make you brand new and alive. For some of you, it's a recommitment. You need to come back. It may be you've been gone a little while, maybe just during this uh, crisis, this, this plague, or it may be even before that. But he loves you. There's nothing you could do where he wouldn't love you. So come back to him. Come back to him right now. Pray this prayer with me. You could pray it alone. You could pray with other people. Pray it with me. So it starts by praying that prayer, calling on the name of the Lord to be saved, drawing near to God, the Bible says, and he'll draw near to you. Then the second step is you got to make it known. Actually, the Bible's clear about this, but you know what's so wild? Research shows that when you make a commitment, that's the first step in change. The second step that actually makes it more likely to be real, uh, the research shows, is actually making it known. Well, the Bible already taught that. Uh, the Bible, all throughout the Bible, whenever anybody made a commitment to God, they were always to make it more public to make sure others knew about it. So here's what I want you to do. If you're out on the patio after we pray this prayer, uh, we have a host who's going to tell you uh, uh, the area to go to on the patio so we can work with you and talk with you and share with you and give you some things so that you can actually grow in Christ. So on the patio, you need to do that. If you're online right now, what do you need to do? I need you to text amen Amen to 69922. Text amen to 69922. Grab your phone and text it. The word amen means the truth. It means for real. You could do it right now before we pray. 
Just grab your, grab your phone and text it. Grab your tablet, text it. If you don't have a way to text, then email me at chuck at crossroadschurch.com. Chuck at crossroadschurch.com. But make sure you make it known. Now, here's what I'm going to do. No, please don't miss this. Before we leave the prayer, we're going to get back to you, and we want to know your name. You know why? Because we care about you. So we want to know your name. And, and then we also, once we know your name, we want to get a little bit of information so we can send you a free copy, an electronic copy of The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, which is one of the best-selling books of all time. And it's actually a book about now that you've committed to God, what do you do? What do you do to take the steps so you can grow in that relationship and deepen that relationship? And this book's amazing for that. So we want to send that to you free. Then we want to open up an opportunity for you to take a, a next step that makes sense to you so we can connect with you and help you grow. So you text AMEN to 69922. By the way, if in the past you, you've made, prayed this prayer but never gone through this process of texting in or, or going out on the patio to where you should, do it today. Do it today so we can, we can work with you and, and work for you. But right now I'm going to lead that prayer. Some of you need to pray it on your own. Some need to pray it with friends. Some of you right now need to pray it as a couple, a married couple. Families can pray this together. Just look around and say, hey, look, you guys want to do this together. Some of your kids might want to pray it with you. This is their day. But I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer where you say yes, yes, yes to Jesus. Let's do it right now. If you're ready, pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that's holding me back or holding me down. And some of you need to pray this. I pray you'll free me from anyone. There's some of you out there, that's what you ought to pray. Anyone who's holding me back or holding me down. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. And if those are the only words you can get out, say I say yes right now. I think there's somebody you haven't prayed, but deep down there's something going on. You can feel it. Just say these words. Say I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now. and Make me yours. In Jesus' name, and what is the word? Amen. Say it. Say amen. Say amen. And then I want you to text it or email it, chuck at crossroadschurch.com. Text it to amen to 69922. Or on the patio in a moment, we're going to tell you where to go. Uh, so you can, get, you can get the connection we want you to have. But I want to tell you, God does some amazing things when we say yes to him. It's not that he doesn't want to help. It's not that he doesn't have the power to help. It's that, are we ready to have his help? Because he's a very present help in times of trouble. That's what it says in Psalms. It says, God is a very present help in times of trouble. So right now, some of you, man, it's a time of trouble, and I want you to know there's a God who loves you, and he has the power to make a difference. So praise God you were with us today. But I want to say this, may God bless you. May his spirit be upon you. May his love fill you. And may you find his joy as your strength. God bless you and have a great day.